pray. Father God, we thank you for how you love us, how you care for us, and how you provide everything that we have. So with that, Lord, all of who we are, we ask that you will soften us up to receive this word, your word, your son. In this message, that we may leave here different than when we enter. It is in your son's holy name. Amen. Hear this word. Reading from Philippians 3, 1 through 21. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as a loss for the sake, <clears throat> for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now I'll tell you even with tears walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction that guides in their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we wait a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to, the subject, even to subject all things to himself. Amen. You may be seated. Well, there is far too much in this text to, uh, uh, to just really parse out what he's saying there. And even as I re- read this text uh, today, right now, I think my sermon does not adequately tackle 
every nuance of this passage. It's 21 verses. So if you want to hone in on something very particular in this text, I would love to talk to you about it. But right now, there's one aspect of this text that I want us to draw forward. And it's about uh, uh, what Christ is doing in our midst as it pertains to sin, as it pertains to our lives here at Good Sam. So let me start. I, uh, I, some of you may know, none of you may know, but uh, I've, I've, I have a criminal justice background. I was a probation officer for a while. And uh, not only that, I uh, went to college for criminal justice. And uh, that criminal justice uh, field has uh, gave me some uh, access to certain things that um, I'm pretty certain, I could be wrong, I'm pretty certain that no one here has, has ad, had access to. One of which being, um, just as a side, I had to count $350,000 in, in a safe um, with other agents. With other, I was an intern. And that was a great experience, and my dad still reminds me of that. He just recently did. He's like, oh, what did it look like? <laughs> what did it look like? But, you know, it was like fives and tens. It wasn't, you know, $100 bills. It was because that's what they used to go and buy drugs with, and then they would arrest people. And, and every day, every morning and every night, you had to count it and all that jazz. And that's what we did. And boy, my dad would always ask. Um, another thing I had to do is what's going to be pertaining to this sermon. Is I went into a uh, max security prison multiple times. Not because of a crime I committed, but first as a student who got to tour the prison, and then as a, um, a probation officer who would take kids into the prison for a scared straights program. And uh, my experience with that is very frightening. I've been in multiple prisons, multiple settings, and nothing in terms of prisons has ever been like this before, ever. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to illustrate it by physicality because uh, it, it's the only way you're going to be able to understand how scary this is. So you drive into the prison. First, you drive into the parking lot of the prison, and three guards, three cars, boom, go right, on front, right in front of you. They cut you off. So you have three pickup trucks that just cut you off. One guy gets out, the light's flashing, makes a big deal. This is unexpected, by the way. They don't necessarily expect you, so they treat you as if you are, this isn't visiting hours, they don't do this with everybody on visiting hours, but they did this with me, with me with a bunch of elementary school kids in my car. Pull up, boom, three cars on me. They get out, I have to show them my ID, they call in, they say why I'm there. That's the first level. Then the next level is you go through a big, huge gate. The gate opens up, you go in, gate closes. Then another gate opens up, you go through that gate, and the gate closes. Boom, you drive through that. Then it's a big, huge parking lot. Then you drive through the big, huge parking lot, and you go to the reception center. And that's where the big front. Anybody can get into where I'm at at that point. All you have to do is just register. You would just have to put your name in. So you just have to show up. But you're not leaving that easy. <laughs> I'm talking about 10 foot high barbed wire fence system. Already you're behind that. And if you want that, if you want to get out, they're going to let you out. That's all. So you get that all already. You get that sense of unease. 
Already you get that sense of anxiety. Now, here's the thing that's been the most different uh, because it's a max security prison. It had three fences. One, one, one fence was right here. And then the next uh, 10 more feet, there was another fence about 15 feet high with this razor wire. The razor wire was very specific in its, in its way, um, very gruesome when they tell you what the razor wire is. And then it's another 10 or 15 feet. It was like a distance where a person couldn't jump. Another block wall, right? And that covered the whole grounds. And the feet, the, the, the block wall, then the, 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 the fence, and the other fence, all of them went upwards of 20 feet down in the ground. So you couldn't, couldn't tunnel out. It's one of these types of prisons. The state of, it was a, a, um, SCI Green, I think is what it was called. I, again, I always get it, got them mixed up. It was SCI Green or it was SCI PA or whatever. It was the State Correctional Institution and it housed, there was two of them, one on the east coast, or east side of Pennsylvania, one was on the west side of Pennsylvania, and it housed the worst offenders in Pennsylvania. So when you walk in, you walk into the reception center, and you, what you would expect, you get frisked, and you get all that jazz, and, and you go in, and you walk in, and you get, uh, uh, not only do you get frisked, but you go through some sort of like x-ray thing, you go through that, kind of like what you'd see at an airport, and you keep going, and then finally, you've, uh, uh, at this point, you've already signed in. They know who you are. You have nothing, nothing in your pockets. They take all your keys, all your phones, everything. There is nothing. Your belt. You don't have a belt on. You take off your belts. Well, what if you need a belt? Sorry. You don't get a belt. Shoelaces. If your shoelaces are too long, Ignore, exorbitantly too long. Take your shoes off. They'll, they'll give you slippers. They'll give you flip-flops. This is what they do. Now, this is a max, this is a max prison. This is why they're taking security risks. Here's what was the most frightening part. <clears throat> there was this hallway about 100 yards long. And in that hallway was all windows down the side. And as that you seen that you were approaching the wall, the fences, and you seen you were approaching the walls, as you walked, you were coming up past the fence, and you were coming up past the next fence, and you were coming up past the wall. And then as you went through that wall, there was a, there was a door. And it wasn't like a door that you would see here, right? <sighs> Big metal door. You went through that door, and as that shut, it was another 100 yards. Of distance before you were able to come in. So you walked in and then you, you were entering this other huge kind of like uh, vault-like door that opened up and it had weight to it. You could hear it just like a, like a vault in a movie, you know, and it just would open up. And this is how you entered this place. And as soon as you went in, they shut the doors right behind you. You knew you were in a prison. You knew you were, you were locked down. You knew you had no freedom at that point. Any ounce of freedom that was given, or that you had, was allowed and given to you. And you were quite aware of that. Because, you see, <clears throat> it was kind of interesting whenever you came across the first fence. And it was very interesting when you came across the second fence. 
And it started getting very weird when you, had, when you saw people taking off their belts because they weren't allowed to have a belt on. They saw very weird when you started seeing that the, this person and their shoelaces were too big, too, too big of a loop in their shoelaces. Like my shoelaces would have been okay. Couldn't, couldn't do much with that. But someone that had like, you know, maybe a high top or something, big huge loops on their shoelaces. It started getting very, very scary of the fact that your freedom was gone. Who you were was being stripped from you and they didn't care. They weren't like, please, could you take your shoelaces off? They weren't like that. They were like, would you be a lamb and take your belt off? Belt off! That's what you got. <clears throat> those shoes, you gotta take those shoes off. Like, it was real, you know, like you got really scared. And you're gonna have to take your shoes off. It was frightening. And you were, like, you didn't commit a crime. They, they, you weren't in jail. You were the free person that they were supposed to, in your mind, think you were supposed to be nice to. But it wasn't the case. And he finally, and the most frightening part, after all that stripping of who you were to a degree, you started walking towards those fences. And when you hit that last door, you're like, what I'm going through, that door of what I'm going through, a war could wage in here. And they would not know. Right? That was my experience at a, a, a max security prison. And it was I. Why am I telling you this story? <laughs> That's the big question. Let's go to the text real quick. I'm going to read this. Let those of you who are mature think this way. And if anything, you think otherwise. God will reveal that also to you. Oh, no, no, no. Go back to uh, earlier in verse, verse 2. Sorry. Now we start with verse 2. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. See, what he's talking about here is the people who are going to constrict you. People who are going to actually say, no, 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 no. What you need is to do more and more and more. This is what you need to do. You need to do this. To be a good Christian, this is what you have to do. This is what he's talking about. Now, he's not talking about that in terms of uh, uh, what you might experience here today. He was talking about the, the circumcision group. People who were feeling the need to say, oh, you're a Christian, you have to get circumcised. That was a big issue with Paul. This is that wanting to strip away this concept of be adding any distance between you and Jesus Christ. That was what he did not want to see happen. Let's move on. For we are the circumcision who worship the Spirit of God in glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. You see, this is what I think Paul was trying to say when he was doing this, is that he said, I, if you go past certain verses, he says, I had confidence you know, you have, I, I, there's people in this circumcision group who want to say, I have confidence. I know what it needs to happen. I know what you need to do to be loved by God. I know what you need to do. You need to do X, and then you need to do Y, and you need to do Z, and then that's what you need to do. They would put all these things, and then you would be loved by God, and he would say, I did all those things. This is what Paul said. I know what they are. I know absolutely what those steps are. As a matter of fact, not only do I know them, I was a Jew of a Jew, a Hebrew of a Hebrew. I was the man. Even to the point that I started killing people and persecuting people. That's how much. Move, move on a couple of verses. Because I'm just uh, fast forwarding through some of this. 
He goes, but whatever gain I had, whatever that was, whatever those things, I counted as a loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, my Lord, for his sake. I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Now, this is what he's trying to say. Here is our first instinct. This is, this is a, a paraphrase. It, this is our first instinct. To want to go and self-justify. Now, whenever I was on the other side of those doors, I experienced several things. And it's the cliche, if you see in any movie about prison, I don't deserve to be in here. You hear that. You hear that often a lot of that. Some may even say, I, I didn't do the crime, but I'm doing the time. That may be the case. But I guarantee you, the majority of the folks in there probably deserve to some degree or another to be where they're at. Now, I, I don't want to go into sentencing and all the, the drama of the politics of all the legal system that we got going on today. That's not what I mean by this. What I mean is, is that the first instinct is to self-justify. The first instinct is to say, look, you think that this has made you holy because you love this man who died on the cross for you? Well, look here. Look what I did. I did X, Y, and Z. I did X, Y, and Z, and that's how I got my holiness. You see, I don't think we're any different than that. I think that we tell ourselves certain things that tell us that we are holy, that we are good, and that we are righteous. And oh, by the way, yeah, Jesus saves us. Is this hitting? Is this making sense? Well, I want to tell us that there's not a single one of us that doesn't deserve, in a spiritual sense, to be on that side of the wall. There's not a single one of us. There's no single one of us that's going to be able to say, look what I did, X, Y, and Z, open up the door, everybody, I'm allowed out. I'm allowed to go through. There's not a single one. And that's what Paul's saying here. He counts up all rubbish. All of it is rubbish. Now, let's look inward for a second. Because this is the first step of repentance. When you look at all the things that you did good, all those things that you did good, do you think that you've earned Christ's love? Do you think that there was a level of Christ's love that wasn't accessed by you until you did that, that one good thing, that ten good things, and all those good things you've done? Meaning that Christ loved you like, like a, a distant cousin? And then, oh, he found out that you, you did an X, Y, and Z, and then, so he loved you like a, a, uh, a, a brother? No, that isn't the love of Christ. Romans tells us, yet while we are still sinners, he loved us. Yet while we are still sinners, he loved us and loves us and loves us and loves us. That's the thing. When we start sitting in this room, on this side of the door, on this side of all those fences and all that security, we want to sit here and say to ourselves, I don't really deserve, I'm not, I'm not like that person. I'm really not like that person. I'm not that bad. That's the first 
wrong instinct. Why do you think Paul would say, I'm the chief of sinners? Why do you think Paul would say, and I think in verse 10, actually there's a couple steps forward. Let me see the next, next slide. Not that I have already obtained this. He's talking about this resurrection of life. He's talking about this holiness. He's talking about these things. And he goes, not that I have already attained this. Paul, Paul said this. I'm not saying he's the holiest of the holiest men. But my goodness, you could say at least at this point in the end of his ministry, that man did some really good things. He did some really holy things. He did some things that really pleased Jesus Christ. And even he has the humility to say, you know what, brothers and sisters? I'm still here. I'm on this side of the fence with you. Now, all of that is to scare all of us, right? Because here's the thing. What we don't understand and what we don't like to know is, is this what Christ has done for us? He takes that badge. Everyone gets a badge. That was a piece of information I forgot to tell and everyone gets that badge, and they carry this badge through that fence, through that fence, through that wall, through that door. And he goes, and he gives that badge to you, and he takes your badge. That captivity, that sin that captivates who you are, he takes that. He takes every single bit of your badge and he puts it on his clothes wearing flip-flops and he gives you the righteous badge, the warden of the prison, the one who has built the prison, the one who's built the walls, the one who's done all those things and he gives it to you and he says, get out of here. Go on, get. Right? That is a sample of what he has done. But it's not over. What that means is, is that all those fences are open. He goes in and he opens up every single door. Every single fence has been knocked down. You do not have to worry about going out. You are, in essence, free. You are, in essence, a free person. I'm not talking about your salvation. What he has already done for you on the cross is he's already saved you. We're not talking about salvation. We're not talking about what it means to go and get to heaven. In Jesus Christ, through his death, burial, and resurrection, you are in the right hand of you are at the right hand of the Father through Jesus Christ. I don't doubt that. But we're talking about our earthly life. We're talking about the things that happen to us day in and day out. When we think of our sin, when we think of the things that plague us, when we think about the things that make us sad. I'm telling you right now, all those doors are wide open. And you have an opportunity to walk through them. That captivity that is bearing down on your humanity. That captivity that just brings you down. Only because of Christ, you have the opportunity to walk out these doors. But let me guess. And let me tell you, this is what we don't do. We turn back. We turn back like a dog to its vomit. We turn back the things that make us happy that are very simple. I'm not talking about your salvation here. It's in Jesus Christ. Love Jesus. He's the one that saves. I'm talking about he's the one who sanctifies. 
He is the one that's drawing that sin out of you like poison. And yet we are all very comfortable in our prison walls and we are all very comfortable right here. And Paul's saying, guess what, folks? I, not as if, I have already obtained it because I like to come back to it. I like to come back to my own sin. I like, and I wish I wouldn't because the doors are wide open. The doors are allowing me to walk through and I could be 100% free. No pickup trucks are going to come and stand in your way. Just walk right out. But yet, the Lord of captivity, the Lord of being in slavery, is strong to our flesh. Realizing that is huge to our repentance. And I'm going to say something even more you realize that Jesus just doesn't want to save you. He wants to restore this whole world. And at the end of these verses, you see it. You see it at the end of this chapter. Which is why I use this whole big section. To turn towards the end of this passage, please. Right there. Uh, he's talking about the end is their destruction, their God is in their belly. This is the people that want to earn their own salvation, and their glory is in their shame, with minds are set on earthly things. Boom. Next verse. But our citizenship is in heaven. What do we pray for in the Lord's Prayer? Your kingdom come. We're asking for heaven to come to earth. We're asking for Christ's kingdom to reign on this earth. We're asking for Christ. And we our citizens, our citizenship. We wait for that. A Savior. Our Savior has come, but He is coming. And He will come as a king in this kingship, in this kingdom. And He will come in, and these walls won't even exist anymore. These things that, 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 that cause you to go and be uh, enslaved to uh, your desires and your flesh and the sin that just drags us down. And trust me, it is very, 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 very hard. It's very gray to know what is... What is definitely a sin, what's not a sin? Oh, don't get me wrong. I could preach thousands of sermons on that. That's not what I'm here to do. What I'm here to do is say, you want to know how to get out of that fence and go and start being a part of the kingdom of God, drawing people out of this, these, these, these doors and outside these fences and outside these walls and say, you have freedom in Jesus Christ as you preach the kingdom of God. The kingdom is coming in Jesus Christ. We have a Savior who loves us and doesn't want us to just save just you. He's going to restore all things. Tears, gone. Tears of joy will be there, but tears of sadness, gone. Cancer, gone. Heart issues, gone. Whatever, gone. Your love for the horrible things of this world won't exist. And he is drawing us out. The doors are already blown open. And not only does he want you to come out and experience that, he wants you to go in and be a part of his work of drawing people out and saying, that isn't worth it. That's not worth it. Look, that's not worth it. That there is absolutely not worth it. I can see the allure of that, but trust me, it's not worth it. We're calling people out in this world. We're not building small things and saying, look, Look at, my, look at my tent, look at, my, look at this building, look at this uh, program, look at that. If we're not doing this, 
This work of preaching the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Jesus Christ, his salvation, his justification, and his sanctification in this world, I'm not talking about the kingdom then. If we stop doing those things, then we're not doing it. And this is what he's doing. He's drawing us all out. That's the second part of our repentance, is to realize and grieve over how his kingdom hasn't come into this world. When, when kids die in, in, in rivers, when, when bad things happen, his kingdom hasn't come yet. It's come, it has come, and it is coming. It hasn't come in full. And I can tell you that right now. I just watched the news. If Mike was here, he would be able to tell us two or three things of sadness that I'm sure I didn't know. That guy, he tells me all kinds of good stories. Well, not good stories, but stories about news that I did not know. And we need to participate in that work. And that is what Christ is doing. He's transforming our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. It doesn't say, it, it, it doesn't say past tense. He will transform every single one of you, each and every one of you, in complete fullness, fullness, into his glorious body. So not only is he in this pit with us and the only one that deserves not to be here, he's pointing us out. He's shooing us away. He's get out. Get out. Go down that wall hallway. Go down that scary way. I know that this is comfortable, but this is not what you were made for. You were not made to be here. That was the one big thing for sure that you were very, very clear of. I was not meant for this place. He's restoring this world. And that is the good news of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Several things I'll leave you with. You participate in the work of the kingdom of God, realizing that you absolutely deserve to be there in that pit, in that, on that side of that wall. But in Jesus Christ, you do not, no longer need to be there. Secondly, in your repentance, I want you to recognize that you have freedom in Jesus. You are free. Walk out those doors. Leave behind all of those things that enslave you, that prison, keep you a prisoner. And then thirdly, be brave enough to go back in and grab a hold of someone and say, you're coming out with me. Because that's the work of Christ as well. That's good news. Is everyone with me? Let's pray. Father God, open our hearts and minds and let us confess our sins. Let us repent of those things that we, that we do. Let us quietly share our sins to you. These things that we love to hold on to in this prison.